0: Charlie Serafin is an old friend of ours, and we've known Charlie on many different levels. He used to be our boss at KRLD, the general manager of TSN at and KRLD. And he, he, we, he was the Texas Rangers. He was the news director at KCBS. But he's turned into a, a, a marvelous author and has just brought out his third books. My old boss, Charlie Serafin, who I don't have to be nice to anymore, joins us today from Arizona. <coughs> it's good to have you with us.
1: You never had to be nice to me, David, but I've always been nice to you. Come on, admit it.
0: So you, uh, he had this this fabulous, you know, side gig where you started writing books. One stupid mistake, I think we talked about. Uh, then you wrote another one, uh, when was it, When Did You Stop Being You? The one you just came out with, though, is the one that intrigues me most. And on the one hand, it's bizarre, but on the other hand, it's the best idea there is. The story of your life, write your own obituary. I think that's a good idea. How did you come up with that idea?
1: There are two things, uh, the two motivators. Number one, I I took a trip to my hometown, uh couple of summers ago, and I went to the library and I went through the files and I found my dad's obituary who died in 1963. And when I read it, I thought anybody who reads this, it it doesn't say anything about my dad. It says, you know, when he was born, who survived him, where he worked and where the funeral is going to be. And that was it.
0: I've seen there's a formula that you're supposed to fill in the blank. Exactly right
1: and it and it doesn't say anything about the individual so I, I i that that kind of resonated and then a friend of mine sent me his father-in-law's obituary and it was, God, it was so funny, David. If you read it, you would say, I wish I knew this guy because he was funny and he had self-effacing humor. And he just did a really brilliant job of describing his life. And he had some sensitive things about the people he loved and why he loved them. But it really told, a, in a in not a long form, this was not a memoir. Yeah. It was an obituary, but he wrote it himself in the third person. And uh, ironically enough, his name was Mike. And and he said, you you know, Mike would only have it be known that he liked to use pseudonyms and stuff like that. And he was it was really funny.
0: Well, so that was actually one of the first questions I was going to ask you is, do you write it in the is it okay to write it in the first person?
1: I think it's better in the third person, and here's why. Because you can have that dispassionate uh, description of your life as if the, you're, you're more in sync with the reader than you are with yourself. So it's not all about me, 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 I, I, I. You're writing about yourself as this person, as you would describe the person that is you. But the, the fascinating thing about this obituary was I found out he wrote it 10 years before he died. And he was in perfect health. He had no health issues. There was nothing. He just had the idea that he was going to write his obituary. And then uh, my friend and his wife came to visit, and I was talking to Jennifer about her dad. And I said, you know, I just loved your dad's obituary. It was awesome. She said, yeah, it was really special, especially considering that the last three years of his life, he developed Alzheimer's, and he had no cognitive ability. So he could have never described his life, he could have never shared the memories that were shared, and that's the opportunity for healthy people, young people, middle-aged people, older people, it makes no difference, to sit down and do some reflection about your life, write your life story, and write it in the third person, and make it a working document. And if you live for another twenty, thirty, fifty years, it doesn't really matter because it's an ongoing thing. It's like your description of who you are and why you are and what your values are, what you believe, and why you believe it.
0: I think that's a fabulous idea. And actually, you know, I, I saw you had this book, and then I was reading a, an obituary for a good friend of mine, and and in the and I would served on a, a very significant you know board with him, and I, there was no mention of that. And I, and I know they were going back through and probably looking at you know, awards and certificates that were hanging on a wall and that sort of thing. But I know it's one of those things he was proud of, and, and, and the tone is really interesting. So let me, let me ask you the broader question about these books, though, because you've really done, you've done a remarkable job, and, and I, I can see the story of your life. Write your own obituary on, on Amazon with reviews and everything else. How do you self-publish?
1: Well, um, you make a lot of mistakes <laughs> when you start out, and I made all of them. I, uh, w- one of the great stories is I this, this woman publicist came to me, and she said, you know, I was involved in Chicken Soup for the Soul, and it sold 8 million copies of the first edition. And I went, oh, that sounds good. You know, at had a buck apiece uh, after commissions. That would be a nice little nest egg. <laughs> and so I hired her. I paid her $6,000. And she went out and got me about 20 small market radio interviews, which sold a total of about maybe one or two books. And so it was a complete waste of money. The other thing on advice, I published through an outfit called Ingram Spark. Yeah. And Ingram Spark is the one of the largest publishing distribution uh, companies in the world. That's so all the books that go to libraries, pardon me?
0: Out of Nashville, right?
1: I don't know where their, their, their corporate headquarters is here, but I believe they're Chinese owned now. So anyway, so they do the distribution of books and they get them into independent bookstores and libraries and all these other things. So you have to publish through Ingram spark. Well, then I found out that Ingram spark turns around and sells the, the book to Amazon. And so when Amazon sells a book and Amazon is the number one bookseller, they started out as booksellers, as you know, and, and have, you know, still keep that as a primary part of their business. They sell more books than anybody on the planet. And yet, when I sell a book on Amazon, um, Amazon takes their cut right off the top, which is about half. And then Ingram Spark jumps in and they take their cut of what's left, which is about a half. And then by the time it gets down to me, I'm making like a $1.98 a book, uh, you know, on a, on a yeah. 14 $15 book. So the economics of it are really not good unless you start with Amazon, which. Finally, and this thir- last time I published exclusively through Amazon. So if you went to Barnes and Noble, you could never find my second book, but we're going to try to rectify that. And then this time I published first through Amazon and then just went back through Ingram Spark, which means that um, uh, Barnes and Noble and libraries yeah. and everybody else would be able to get it. So, so if where I wanna, you publish if I wanna, and how if, you published
0: If I want a hard copy of this, who physically prints it? And is it printed on demand? Do you wait till you get an order? Yes,
1: they're printed on demand. And I haven't. uh, This is the other. This is these are great questions. And anybody who's going to go into it is like, I, I can't believe I learned all this stuff the hard way. But the format for a hard copy is different than the format for a paperback. So, and Kindle is a different format completely. So you have to have somebody who's familiar with the little nuances and the way it works at Amazon. If you, you send them the manuscript and you send them the cover and you send them the back cover and you send them the ISBN numbers and all the stuff, And then they tell you, no, that's not right for this format. You have to do it for the Kindle format. Okay. So then you get it formatted for Kindle, but that doesn't work for the paperback. And then you get the paperback done, and that doesn't work for the hardcover. So there's three different formats. And then I like to do audio books. I haven't done this one yet on audio, but I'll sit down in a studio and record this book. So if you listen to books on Audible, eventually you'll be able to get this one. The first two are already on Audible. But there's really uh, four different approaches to this market. And each one of them has a lot of nuances. And all you get is, nope, you didn't, you you know, you're, you're off. (laughs) And then you have to go back and look and say, well, what am I off on? Well, the width of the spine, you know, there's one little piece of one little letter on the back cover of the spine of the book that went into the red line. And if it touches the red line, it's rejected. So getting through all that is a major hassle, which gets us to the answer. The real answer to your question is you really need to hire somebody that knows how to do all this stuff. And what? I finally, I, I finally found the right, I found a small publishing company in New Jersey. They published a lot of books. I paid them the fee so that I send the manuscript to them and they submit to all the different uh, people. And even they had, uh, I bet we went through three weeks of daily rejections from Amazon because the little black was touching the little red line. So
0: this is your fourth book, How to (laughs) Self-Publish. I think that's fascinating.
1: No, I I don't have a passion for that one, but I think you'll get a kick out of this, David. I do have the fourth uh, book underway and it's a book about radio. And all of the characters, like you, uh, no no uh, offense, but there are so many different people that we've worked with in the radio industry, from the people who answer the phones to the people who cover the stories to the famous anchors. And then all of the celebrities that I've had an opportunity to interview, you've had a, an opportunity to interview, you think back, you know, how many... How many guys that grow up in a small town and get involved in radio get invited to have lunch at the White House with President Reagan? Not that many. So all of those kinds of stories, and I, the one that's really sticking in my mind these days is when I interviewed John Ehrlichman right after he got out of prison. Oh, wow. And, and a lot of your listeners don't know who John Ehrlichman is, and they can go look it up and find from, out. From but Watergate, he was yep. A, Yeah. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, the interview was just fascinating. And I found the book that he autographed for me and he made some statements way back when that are so apropos to the political climate today and what's happening and, and why, why we don't get uh, George Washington's and Abraham Lincoln's elected as presidents anymore
0: Alright, so we, for right now we're going to go out and buy and read The Story of Your Life and we're going to all write our own obituaries and then we're going to watch you on your next book in, in which you burn all your bridges in the radio business <laughs> and, <laughs> and so with that Charlie Serafin, our guest today and uh, go out and buy his new book The Story of Your Life Good to have you with us again Thank you, my friend. Thank you, David. Thanks. For more of our conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.